Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Airtime, a Sky Review podcast. It's episode four, I think. <laughs> runway 13, runway 17, proceed straight out, air below 3000, please take off. Yeah, hey, what's happening? I'm way behind. I'm behind on everything. Uh, I actually did not do a podcast in July, so I already broke that oath to myself to not let a month go by. Yeah, I did it. Dog on it. But anyway, here we are. I'm here. And uh, hello to you. Uh, coming up on airtime, an update on my efforts to obtain my flight instructor's certificate that goes on and uh, what I've been doing, uh, where I am now, and uh, some things I've discovered, including constant pressure charts, uh, the weather flying book. A 1940s ground school textbook, some antics I decided to do for my spin endorsement, which I actually have now accomplished, so I'll cover kind of how that went, which was a ton of fun. All right, Airtime is Sky Review Podcast. Don Jones here. You can check out skyreview.us. That'll be the hub for um, all the things, the show notes and whatever. Uh, the show notes, by the way, are on the articles page, and you'll find those pretty easily. And if you have any trouble with finding anything on the site, just uh, there's a search function up uh, where the uh, menu item is at the top of each page. There's a little search symbol. Click that. It's a pretty powerful search engine so tool. Um, I even use it myself sometimes when I have to go in and edit something. It's actually faster for me to just go there and do that. All right, so that's the jazz, and uh, welcome. All right, so uh, working on my Certified Flight Instructor cert, and that goes on. I'm still working on my big book of uh, my lesson plans for all of the things that uh, are in the CFI uh, PTS. They've not changed that yet. My understanding, they were supposed to change it this year to the ACS for the CFI. Almost everything else has been changed. Um, it has not yet. However, COVID-19, I think, is what caused a uh, holdup there. Um, so I believe it's going to be in 2021, the CFI PTS will turn into the CFI ACS. So I certainly have a goal to get it done before those changes. I, you know, obviously can, can accomplish uh, whatever adjustments need to be made, but I'd rather go ahead and get it done while I've got my head in the PTS and not have to uh, retool. Cause I had to do that on the commercial. Um, I let it time out and then I, I actually took two different written tests for the commercial. I just got busy doing other things, grown up adult things. And so I took the old, uh, old style commercial exam, a knowledge test. And then the, uh, when I got back around to it, it was the new style, new flavor. And it was a new flavor. Certainly very different. I did fine. Um, actually, you know, backtracking a little bit, the advanced ground instructor thing. I took that test, uh, a, a, several weeks ago. And I think I mentioned that. And I'm still attempting to get that anointed. I have an application in IACRA, but I have to have a DPE anoint it, <laughs> then, then the FA will, uh, pull the trigger on the thing and, and make it, make it true. Um, however, so the options here are, you know, you go to the FISDO and they can do it in person, but not with this, they're all in an underground bunker apparently. So I thought it'd be fun to do that. I've never been to the FISDO here. Uh, so that's not an option now, thanks to COVID-19. So the next option is to go to a DPE. I've hit one up and, uh, I guess that trail's gone cold. I don't know. So I have another uh, another DPE I, um, I'm pretty familiar with, and I will. Uh, they actually responded back and said, "Yeah, let me uh, see what the procedure is, and uh, we'll get together. Eventually, I'll get that 
<laughs> get that all hemmed up. It was such a simple thing. And um, But hey, these are not simple times, this 2020 we live in, right? All right, uh, I'm working on my CFI Big Book of Awesome. Uh, coming up, we'll talk about some of the things, kind of where I've covered so far and where I am. I finally got to the weather part, and a few I'll drop in a few little tidbits uh, regarding weather. Still working on that section, but uh, yeah, coming up. Hang on to your biscuits. <laughs> Airtime, a Sky Review podcast. All right, Airtime, a Sky Review podcast. Don Jones in here and uh, fresh back from a couple of vacation days. I've got a lot of vacation time built up because of, uh, you know, COVID-19 and because things have just been strange and crazy. And so I haven't taken any vacation days until last week. And I took two days plus two weekend days, which weren't vacation days. And uh, I went and got my spin endorsement. I'll talk about that here a little later in the uh, in the program. It was a royal, double-barreled, <laughs> naked razor blade toss hoot nanny. It was good. It was it was very good. All right, so in my CFI big book of things that I'm working on, that's what they tell me to do. Make a big book of things of everything that's in the PDS, lesson plans, basically. So I'm doing these giant lesson plan bullet points. I'm looking for weak spots. All right, so I've gotten to the weather part. Um, I got through the technical subject areas, finally. That took a long time, um, just trying to pick through that and think about who, how would I teach that thing? And and also while I'm doing that, I'm also, I have a huge folder on a cloud drive where I'm pulling in um, video clips and photos because I have a huge cache of photographs from over the years of flying, different scenarios, different planes, different things. And um, I was kind of aggregating those into a giant folder for usage later as a resource. So that's one reason it's taken me a, a little while. Anyhow, uh, the technical subject areas of the CFI PDS are, are basically all the things uh, you would find that cover private, commercial, recreational, pilot, license, uh, trainees, um, sport pilot trainees, any any of that jazz is up for grabs. So it's all that stuff, aeromedical factors, runway incursion stuff, uh, scanning, collision avoidance, principles of flight, airplane flight controls, weight and balance, navigation, flight planning, night ops high altitude operations, uh, the regulations, basically, um, literally the item in the uh, PTS is 14 CFR and publications. <laughs> so the scope of that's pretty good. Uh, it's been a little while camped out with the uh, far aim there on that. Uh, let's see national airspace is in there, uh, navigation systems and radar services. And then, uh, the big hairy legged thing, apparently, the school of thought seems to be that one area that's often lacking with CFI applicants is cert, uh, not certificates of document, logbook entries and certificate endorsements. Um, so I spent a little while with that. Finally, after all that technical section, I got to the uh, the weather part of uh, flight planning. I was really excited because I have uh, off and on used a a book which is essentially a textbook. It's called it's just called Weather Flying because we are uh, flying out there in the in the atmosphere. And uh, authors of the book, Robert N. Buck, the father, he passed away in 2007, uh, leading aviation author, and he set a New York to Los Angeles speed record in 1930 at the age of 16. How crazy is that? He began a career with TWA in 1937, initially flying the DC-2 and the DC-3. In World War II, he flew with the Air Transport Command, as a civilian, he headed a bad weather research project for the U.S. Army Air Forces, um, 
flying a Boeing B-17 bomber and all like that. He had pretty interesting uh, pool, but that's actually from uh, Weather Flying. There, uh, a little bit about the authors there inside the first uh, couple pages. And Robert Obuck, his son, uh, was a retired Delta Airlines captain with a lot of aviation, uh, general aviation ties and uh, was an active pilot flying light aircraft and sailplanes outside of his uh, airline career. Anyway, so he's also, he's a, I don't know if he's still his technical editor for business and commercial aviation magazine. I didn't actually look up that magazine. I'm not familiar with it, but uh, so that's who these guys are. And uh, I've kind of referenced this book off and on because it is a bit of a textbook. It's not really a pleasure reading book unless you're a <laughs> deranged pilot. And then, you know, uh, but, but the part I recently found interesting that I haven't really had come up in, in my flight training really anywhere is a bit about the pressure level charts, right? So they say here, uh, we're apt to only think of the surface map when really there, that isn't where we fly. Uh, fortunately, there are maps drawn for where we do fly. That's the uh, pressure level charts that you're referring to. And the uh, pressure level charts are in millibars. So you have to correlate that with our feet of altitude. So it's something like uh, 850 millibars is 5,000 feet. 700 millibars equates to about 10,000 feet. And uh, 500 millibars up to 18,000 feet. And, and on and on it goes um, like such. Uh, but there was a, f a note here that um, the winds at the 500 millibar height tend to direct the surface weather movement. So you can draw a lot of information from that. And that's 18,000 feet. And I've actually, since I read that about the... Um, 18,000 feet. I, I've, I've tested that and looked at it. And it is quite interesting to, to rifle through those and, and see kind of how the tea leaves look, right? I had in my poking around about the constant pressure charts. I was over on the National Weather Service website looking at them there. And it's uh, talking about the, uh, the, the, in fact, it says on their site, the 500 millibar constant pressure charts is the mainstay of the upper air charts. And it goes on to say that if meteorologists could only look at one chart, the 500 millibar level chart would be by far the top choice. So that's a big deal, right? Something to take a peekaboo at. So that's kind of fine. The weather flying, Robert N. Buck, Robert O. Buck. Um, I have the fifth edition. I'm not sure if that's the latest. It's definitely available. I poked around on Amazon to see. And you can get it too. But I thought that was uh, kind of fun. And um, that's as I'm working on my big book of CFI stuff in the weather section. Uh, that's certainly going in there as I work toward the uh, <laughs> the finish line, which is feels like a way long way away. Now, that's purely functional. Coming up in just a second, I have something that's more on the entertainment side of uh, things. If you're, a, you know, a nerdy, deranged pilot. And it is an old book. And I'll share that with you. Maybe you can find one of your own. And also coming up, my spin endorsement in Santa Fe that I did just this past Thursday and Friday. Coming up on Airtime, a Sky Review podcast. All right, welcome back to Airtime, a Sky Review podcast, skyreview.us, and also skyreview.net. If the .us throws you off, skyreview.net is now uh, a thing. Uh, it actually just points to skyreview.us, but uh, yeah, 
no big deal. Don Jones along. Hello. Skyreview.us is where this all emanates. You can also listen to the podcast, by the way, and subscribe, I should say. You subscribe and you'll uh, get notifications every time a new thing happens. Uh, you can do that on uh, iTunes and also on Google Podcasts. Uh, the Google Play Store, by the way, I believe it, my understanding is going away completely at some point in the near future. So they've created Google Podcasts. Uh, and I think all the music on Google Play is going to be relegated to YouTube, is, is what I think. I haven't looked into that. I saw that in passing somewhere. I went, oh, that's why. I'm an iPhone user, so I don't know that much about the that side of the Google world. So you Android guys will just have to roll your eyes and go, Dirk. Okay. Um, oh, an old book. Now, so one of the things I love to do is uh, I love to read. And, of course, anytime I run across an aviation book that's old, I have to buy it. <laughs> and uh, and so I've got a pretty good collection here. Anyway, uh, at some point in the past years, I picked up a, a book, and I can't even tell you where. But uh, it's called Air Age Education Series. Science of Pre-Flight Aeronautics, uh, Columbia University, Aviation Education Research Group, Teachers College, Columbia University. Anyway, the science, the subject is uh, the science of pre-flight aeronautics, and so it basically is like a ground school all in one big book, which is fantastic. Oh, and I forgot to say, it's from nineteen, it's from nineteen forty-three. Anyway, I sometimes open it up, and since I was working on weather, I thought, well, let me open it up and just kind of breeze through the weather chapters and see what uh, interesting things they have to say about that from 1943. And I gotta say, one thing that's interesting about some of these old books, I have other ones too. Um, I have one on radar, mechanics, stuff, and um, several other ones. And they're all like from the 40s and 50s and 30s and whatever. And what's interesting is the writing and the style of presentation of some of these subjects seemed a lot more human. Not sure what's going on there, but uh, something changed along the way. I'm quite sure. They just seemed to have a more humanness to the way they presented subjects and explained things, uh, which is kind of cool. Okay. Um, I'll just go on right on to my spin endorsement. It's in the books, baby. It's in the logbook, um, finally. I did not start my initial flight training far enough back that uh, spin endorsements or spins were required, so I had never done a spin. All right. Ever. I've, I've been upside down a whole bunch of times with other people. Uh, now I've done it myself. Uh, I've done spins and I've done some uh, upside downy stuff. <laughs> Lifties turned upside down. So what I decided to do is I've, I've flown uh, Skyhawks and Pipers and Satambrias. So I thought, well, let me spice this up a little bit. I mean, I've been in a P-51 and I have... I've done a pilot experience in a C-47, but I thought, yeah, i got to spice this up a little bit. Anyway, out in Santa Fe, there's a place called Jet Warbird Training. Gah, yeah, that sounds fun already, doesn't it? Turns out, uh, and I kind of had known about them, uh, and I didn't realize they, I thought they just, so they have an L-39, an L-29, they have uh, something else I'm not familiar with, and they have a uh, T-33 and a MiG, I believe a MiG-17. And a Fuga? I don't know anything about those. <laughs> I think it's a multi-engine. It's very complicated. You gotta, I don't know. That is, I don't have mental space to work with that, so literally I'm just gonna go with, I don't know. Go to the website. Anyhow, um, so uh, Jet Warbird Training in Santa Fe. And uh, I love the Santa Fe area. They have much less humidity there than we do here, 
where I live, and uh, it was uh, getting to be boiling hot. And although the high-density altitude is uh, going on out there, um, it, early in the morning you can go out, and it's, it's pretty decent. Okay, So that's what we had uh, scheduled, uh, me and uh, Larry out at Jet Warbird Training. And it, I flew... I didn't say that yet, did I? <laughs> I didn't fly any of those planes I just mentioned. But it turns out I was poking around on the internet uh, a few weeks ago, and I saw that they have a T-34 Mentor. All right. You can go look that up if you don't know what it is. Uh, T-34 Mentor. It's a prop plane. Uh, Beechcraft. Okay, flavor. And uh, so I thought, oh, man, that'd be great to do spin, <laughs> spin endorsement in and maybe some aerobatics. And so I called out there, and it's like, yeah, we can do that. I'm like, okay, cool. So that's what we did. And it was fantastic. It was perfect. And I found the T-34 Mentor an absolute delight to fly. Uh, did a whole bunch of spins and uh, it worked out fine. Some aileron rolls and uh, did a couple landings. Those worked out fine too. I got to say too, uh, it was it was nice to get away too because the accommodations I picked, I knew, I mean, I was only going to be there um, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, come home Sunday morning. So I just quickly found something in Airbnb that was uh, as affordable as I thought, uh, you know, with people with high ratings. And, and it turns out it was kind of my accommodations were great and they were relatively affordable, but uh, they were also a little bit Spartan. So I didn't actually get the TV working and I didn't take my iPad. I just had my, my iPhone. So I just basically had a, a few days of no TV. I really didn't use the Internet much. I listened to some podcasts. And, well, you know, Thursday night I read an entire T-34 manual before uh, before my flight Friday morning just to have my uh, wits about me, but unfamiliar aircraft. And uh, anyway, a lot of podcasts and a lot of hiking. I, I wasn't going to be in, inside much, and so I did. I, I drove up to Taos, and then I drove over to Los Alamos and did the uh, cave, you know, the cave dwellings where the uh, Anasazi, what is it, Anasazi Indians and the uh, Pueblo Indians over there. It goes back to like 10 or 11,000 years ago. I had never seen those and I wanted to see them. And I did. I hiked all over those mesas. In fact, I hiked a Saturday about five hours. So it was a great trip. And with the low humidity, even though they were having warm days, from what I'm used to here, um, it was awesome. All right, let's talk spins. It's funny, having never done them, I, you know, your imagination, because you read stuff and you watch videos, you kind of have in your mind. Because the thing about reading and watching a video is you don't, you're missing the kinesthetic part. And, you know, and it's a skill and it's a thing you've got to do tang tacitly, you physically have to do it. That is key. So that part's missing. So your imagination kind of has to fill in the gaps. And, uh, it's fascinating. After having done them now and gotten a spin endorsement, I uh, got to say, I mean, I, in some ways, it's exactly like my imagination kind of framed it. And then in another way, almost paradoxically, it's like, oh, that's sort of different. Although it looks kind of like, you know, because I've seen it in videos. And I'm like, okay, yeah, it's extremely nose low. And wow, that's very entertaining looking. But when you're in it and you feel it in your butt, those input sensory inputs, it's like, oh, okay. And you know what occurred to me as I was doing like the second or third one? And I said this to uh, Larry, the instructor, which 
I, I mean, I don't have any experience with bucking bulls, really, but I've watched people do bucking bulls. I've been on one a little bit, but I mean, it's not really my thing. I mean, it's just you run across a bucking bull and <laughs> it's a thing. You remember it. It's it's odd. Uh, the the uh, mechanical bull. I said bucking bull. Not not the real cow. I've been around them too. The, the mechanical bull. So it kind of felt like. I was like, wow, this is because the tail of the aircraft goes way up in the air and spins around. It's like, oh, <laughs> it's kind of like that. You're, you know, what was nice about doing it in a warbird with a parachute four-point harness on, you're basically a part of the airplane. That's a lot different experience than in a Skyhawk or something. You know, because you can't really lock down in the Skyhawk. Because, I mean, if you have long legs, which I do. I mean, I'm like 6'2", I'm not 6'8", but... I have a cousin that's like 6'8 or something. Anyhow, that's not the point. I'm 6'2". And so, you know, on a Skyhawk, it's like if you get strapped down too much, because you, you, you have to lean forward for the trim. And I mean, you know, so you can't exactly um, become one with the seat. You have to have space and room to move around in there. In a, in a Warbird, at least if it's set up right, and, and the T-34 certainly is, you're locked into the seat. You ain't moving. And the nice thing is you don't have to, like you just put your arms and hands where they need to go and that's where they are. And you have the right kind of travel. You're not having to lean and stretch and it's not awkward, which is awesome. So you just ride the airplane and you feel exactly what it's doing. And also it's a low wing. So you're sitting on the wing and I've always felt like you get more sensory input, more direct, immediate. What's the wing doing? Cause you're freaking sitting on the wing rather than hanging from the wing. I have a lot more experience hanging from the wing, but, uh, but yeah, breaking it down, uh, specifically. And again, this is not official training. If you're interested in these things, there are, uh, and, and most of what I have here comes, these are just going to be quick points just to cover kind of what we did and, and how it couches with the, uh, uh, airplane flying handbook and the pilot handbook of aeronautical knowledge, PHAC. All right, so these these things come out of both of those, and then I'm marrying that with Larry's uh, aerobatic wisdom. Cause you might find a, an instructor who's been teaching private and instrument for a zillion years, and they haven't done a spin in thirty years, forty years, twenty five years, and I, you know, it's probably going to be a little bit different experience than going out with an aerobatic pilot in an aerobatic plane, who is uh, doing these kinds of attitudes regularly and very comfortable with them, and. That's one reason I did what I did. So the first thing that comes up when you start talking about spins is awareness. How the heck do they happen? Why, why, why are they happening? How do you get into one? And really all it is is it, it, you can boogaboo this thing in, in your imagination again, but that's not necessary. You, uh, you basically have an aggravated stall. That is, the plane is yawing. All right. It's yawing. That's due to, can be due to several things or a combination of several things. Your improper rudder usage, which is what you customarily see when you talk about practicing spins, is, you know, you get the thing up into a stall and you dump all of a, all of a rudder in there and wee, she breaks. But it can be aileron deflection too, because, you know, when you yank in those ailerons, you have a, an asymmetrical scenario of, of lift and drag. And then also... Your uh, torque effect, uh, your left turning tendencies, your engine prop effects, P factor, torque, spiraling, uh, slipstream, and precession. All that is a factor. Anything that yaws the airplane, wind shear, you know, anything that can yaw the airplane can be a combination of these things too. The, the books break them down into four phases or breaks the spin down into four phases. So there's the entry and that's how you get into it really. Just pro stall inputs, whichever those the aforementioned things gets it going. 
And then there's the incipient phase. And that's really just the period between stalling the wing and the stall having fully developed. All right. And that can take a couple to four turns, two to four turns, maybe. And, and again, you know, these things are very airplane dependent. I mean, there's a lot of variation between a Pitts and a Cessna 152, right? And a T-34 Mentor, for crying out loud. The two to four turns, maybe, on average, uh, before the forces stabilize, aerodynamics and inertia. Now, I found that interesting when I kind of pre-studied for this little uh, escapade I did in the T-34, because I, I went through and studied very deeply the stalls and the spins and what's happening there. And I hadn't really thought that much about the stabilization. I mean, I had seen that, but I thought, okay, you know, it, it's not as, holy crap, scary, because it's not like the airplane is wildly out of control. It's not. The forces actually stabilize. And uh, in a second, I'm going to mention just exactly how kind of docile in a way, at least mathematically, the point of the incipient phase might, it might be to, uh, to couch your uh, mindset in the idea that you want to initiate recovery early. Now, the next phase of the spin is developed where that stabilization I just mentioned, the angular rotation, the airspeed, the vertical speed, they stabilize. And while, you know, fear-induced imagination may want to, again, cause, my gosh, the airplane is falling out of the sky out of control, while the um, flight path may be pretty well straight down and the pitch attitude is very, very much nose low, it isn't falling out of the sky. The airspeed's actually stabilized within a couple of knots of unaccelerated stall speed, typically. All right. That's pretty docile. And with proper recovery, the load factor is going to be about two and a half G's, somewhere around two and a half G's. So we're not talking about a wild, crazy WWE chair pounding, whatever that means. And then the next phase is stopping the spin and installing the wing. Simply stop the spin and install the wing. Now, commonly what you hear is a memory tool. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? Pair, P-A-R-E, pair. So it's pair, P, power to idle. A, ailerons neutral, and an R for rudder, opposite the rotation. I'll stop there for just a sec, because that's, that's an area, obviously, where things can get interesting, because, you know, the other variation you have here is it is spinning, and the fluids in your ears are going to be arguably unstabilized when it first happens, right? You know, there can be variation in people's sensitivity to that. And some people are super sensitive to it and are going to be pretty disoriented. The earth's going this way and the plane's going that way. And you're looking at the windscreen and it can be a little hard to tell which is doing what. So there's something to be said for thinking about that. Now, in the term, in terms of practicing it, and you might say even in terms of getting into one inadvertently, Whatever foot you stepped on the rudder with, assuming that's what caused the uh, the yaw, that's the direction it's going. So it's going to be the opposite pedal, just as a back of the napkin way to remember. But, you know, you're also looking at the windscreen and hopefully for goodness you can see, oh, that way is the way to stop it. Somebody said, there's a lot of different ways to remember this. Somebody said step on the earth. You know, I don't, I don't actually have that noted out and I don't want to get into that because that could be, I can't remember. That may be a uh, that may be a skidding recovery. Anyway, I, I don't want to complicate it that much. 
because in most planes, it just doesn't seem to be quite that complex. And then, of course, the E in pair, P-A-R-E, is elevator to neutral, where you're, guess what, doing what you do when you uh, are doing stalls is you're unloading the wing, elevator neutral, which is what you're doing. So if you study it, right, when you're back elevator, you're loading up the wing, more G-loading, stall speed goes up. So, yeah, so elevator neutral. And got to stop there because there is something to fiddle dick about in terms of the elevator, which seems like it might be pretty straightforward. However, there is something that Larry brought up, and this is, you know, again, we're talking about the scope of all airplanes. Actually, in the um, airplane flying handbook, it has some words in there about the elevator input at that point. And it even says forceful, and then in parentheses, full forward elevator rather than just neutral. But I gotta tell you, you know, um, Larry had some words about that, and there's a thing called um, a crossover. You can have a crossover spin where it switches hats on you if you jam the elevator or stick forward aggressively. So that's uh, that's the reason for some pause there, right? We'd be pretty careful, and we're talking about a lot of different airframes with a lot of different aerodynamic personalities. So I, I do find it a little bit concerning that that's some of the verbiage that's in the uh, PHAC or the airplane flying handbook on this, the elevator bits. Yeah, it's, it's something to think about. Okay, anyway, after all that bit, um, neutralize the rudder after rotation stops, arrest the descent. And something obviously to be very careful is similarly to um, unloading after unloading the wing, elevator neutral after a stall. When you go to pitch up, you're going to be careful because if you pitch up too aggressively, you'll have a secondary stall on your hands and or a spin. And you also want to avoid excessive G-loading. Now, as I mentioned before, in a proper spin recovery, when you go to uh, come out of that nose down, increasing airspeed scenario, your load factor should be only about two and a half Gs, which is a plenty healthy margin in a regular Cessna 172, 150, 152. Um, you got plenty of margin there and that's really all you need. You shouldn't find yourself in a scenario where you're going to need more than that. Ideally, right now going off, uh, down a rabbit trail. If you talk to aerobatic pilots uh, for a second or instructors, you're going to hear Beggs Mueller. There was a book spins in the pits special by Beggs Mueller and talking about different airframes. So this was essentially a very simple recovery technique and I've heard other people say, well, this is, this technique is for if you're not as familiar with the aircraft and you're not really sure what to do and you're caught off really off guard. And it basically is just let go, power off, remove your hand from the stick as the second step, apply full opposite rudder until the rotation stops, neutralize the rudder, and then recover out of the nose low carefully. Yeah. Remove your hand from the stick, which, which, which that very much points to my my sort of mantra of unload the wing. And I've seen people demonstrate this. There are YouTube videos demonstrating it. Instructors in nice aircraft. And they show, I mean, it, the airplane will start flying again. It'll want to go back into its trim to find its trim to speed. And that, that avoids you doing something that's overtly terrible, certainly like a crossover spin. I will say on the crossover spin, and I don't want to go into that because that's another rabbit hole. Everything is reversed. Like if you, you can have uh, the, you can go past neutral and have the loading be underneath the wing while you're not inverted. 
So then your spin, <laughs> your spin recovery inputs are then pro spin inputs. You talk about being very confused at that point, right? And uh, also, as a uh, sort of disclaimer, obviously check the POH. Generally, there are for your particular aircraft of, of taste because generally there are weight and CG restrictions and possibly amount of fuel requirements restrictions for your particular particular aircraft. And I will say, for instance, I'm in a I'm president of a flying club, and we have one aircraft. It's an equity club. We have a Cessna 172 with a 180 horse upgrade. And with that upgrade, it's an older 172. It's been upgraded to the 180 horse. So there's an STC along with that that changes our useful load, stall speeds, and performance, all the performance stuff, obviously. Well, in the STC, it explicitly says not approved for spins. I'm sure our aircraft would do fine, but and I'm sure it's a matter of, well... For the STC, when we do the upgrade, we don't go out and spin test the aircraft to get that in, in the STC. I'm guessing that's probably the reason. However, <laughs> there's another sobering bit. And if you've never read this, I've heard people say this verbally. And, and, and of course, in working on my CFI cert, consumed it in, in the books myself. And it is really a sobering thought that normal category aircraft they're only required to recover from a one-turn spin in no more than one additional turn or three seconds, whichever is longer. Uh, wow. Yeah, so you don't want to go out and do this willy-nilly, even in something that you consider a rather innocuous aircraft. Probably be okay, but I wouldn't want to be that guy or that girl. Only required to recover from a one-turn spin in no more than one additional turn all right, or three seconds. By the way, I do want to say, having experienced this bit, things happen really quickly. So, in respect to things like the pair mnemonic, here's what I did. I started chair flying this well ahead of time and had basically it kind of worked into my psyche where it was just fluid movements. You, you know, you don't pull the thing up, stall, dump in the foot and have the thing break and you start going P, power to idle. <laughs> Because things are happening really quickly. So you want to have these things kind of worked into your, your chi. What? <laughs> before before you're up there riding the mechanical bull. So that stuff about the normal category aircraft. Uh, th I mean, I guess that basically what that means is the test pilots only test it in that narrow window. Anything beyond that? Nah, good luck. You're on your own. Take notes. Let us know how it goes. You want to be a test pilot, as they say. And, and another word of caution here is that otherwise minor changes... What would be otherwise minor changes in C, uh, CG can result in some pretty significant changes in spin and recovery capability. So you can have the CG going back and forth, and a thing that might work fine in the utility category in the normal category may be a non-starter. So you don't be messing around with this willy-nilly. That's pretty much the gist of it. And you can go, um, you know, there are some interesting videos on YouTube people have done. I will say there are some really thorough webinars, deep webinars on stalls and spins, base to final, stall spin jazz, where they deconstruct this down to uh, molecular levels almost. So if you want to do a deep dive, there are some things to um, put in your chewing gum and go forth and uh, go forth and be unstalled, right? Unload the wing, right? You can almost never go wrong with unloading the wing. It wants to fly. So there's that. So now the spin endorsement's in the book. And I actually, uh, man, that was that was pretty fun. It's pretty fun stuff. Nothing to really be afraid of. <laughs> if you have somebody like uh, Larry at Jet Warburg training to uh, give you the goods. Okay. 
All right, coming up on Sky Review, um, I'm going to keep this one relatively short because uh, I'm behind on everything. Coming up, though, uh, a parting shot and then uh, how to get in touch with me, us, make comments, all that jazz. Here on Airtime, Sky Review Podcast. All right, welcome back. Airtime, a Sky Review podcast. Don Jones and you and me and uh, whatever they're doing in the Area 51. <laughs> okay. Um, yes, show notes for the, all the uh, podcasts show up on the articles page at skyreview.us or skyreview, skyreview.net. Just go there and uh, you'll find basically our, an article that coincides with the podcast where you find links to whatever in the heck I'm talking about. All right, uh, one parting shot here, I think, before I go. Uh, we'll wrap this up. Uh, dumbest comment I saw on the Internet this week. Hmm. Quote, why would anyone pay for ground school? End quote. Followed by a link to a bunch of YouTube videos. Okay. I, and I didn't get any indication this person was kidding. YouTube is great for uh, marketing and <laughs> promotional videos. And that's exactly what those links were, too. Uh, they were short-ish clips of what otherwise points to a larger, more complete ground school. So if you're thinking about uh, doing the ground school for any kind of license or rating or whatever, get get a real one and do whatever you do. I mean, some people are more, you know, the book thing. They just want to read it and uh, study it that way. I know some people do the question bank thing and then walk away into the sunset. I'm not that person. I... I'm a deep diver. I, I just have to do that. It takes me longer. That's okay. That's just me. If you're in a hurry, nah, do what you got to do, I guess. Not really in a hurry. Anyhow, but probably not YouTube videos. Those are mostly entertainment and promotion or both. All right. Maybe they were kidding. All right. Let's wrap this thing up. Um, again, show notes, articles page, skyreview.us or skyreview.net. Also, you can uh, feel free to drop us a line. There's a contact page. And, of course, subscribe on iTunes Podcast app or Google Podcasts. You can search in there, airtime, one word, and then sky review, two words. Because, I don't know, I didn't really plan this out. Just kind of fell into it backwards. Airtime, one word, sky review, iTunes Podcast app or uh, Google Podcast. And uh, you'll be notified when new episodes happen or whatever happens. And eventually, I'm going to talk to some other people. I probably. If I ever carve out enough time and get less antisocial. Um, eventually, going to do one on the bird strike. Um, we're just, she's busy and I'm busy and we'll get together at some point. All right, I know a lot of neat people. They just don't like me. <laughs> just kidding. All right, thanks for dropping in. Uh, if you have any questions or comments or whatever, this is entertainment only. If you uh, need full tilt instruction, find someone who is an instructioner. Right on. Fly safe. Don't be stupid. Or don't be stupider. Oh, four or five Tango outside Hindu. Two and a half miles on the ILS 13 full stop. Wind 1304, runway 13, clear land.